Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Wilander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Schreiber. This is Yannick Noah. This is Erica Salou in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And you're not listening to a tennis podcast, but the super irresistible tennis podcast. Well, thank you, Erica, for introducing our show today from Cambridge, Massachusetts, and welcome to the Super Irresistible Tennis Podcast. I don't mind being called that. Erica's words, not mine, <laughs> although now mine. Uh, you find us in Tennis Podcast Towers, Melbourne, the three of us here recording in Australia for the first time in three very long years it is good to be back, David. It is. I'm wearing shorts. <laughs> I wasn't doing that in the last two months. Oh, dear. It's amazing, this place. Uh, don't tell anybody I know back home because uh, there's a lot of envy going around. Uh, it's it's amazing. It's amazing. And and it's it's come on a bit, I think, as well. I mean, you, you, you were both here a year ago and, and saw some of the changes they'd made on site at the Australian Open. It's one of those places, innovative, isn't it? It's they're always doing something, and uh, but I think I'm probably looking at it through slightly different eyes now because I'm just so happy to be here. Yes, we have wireless charging stations for our phones <laughs> on our desks now. Easily pleased we are. That's, that's, that's the best innovation that's happened. That's the content you think people are coming to the tennis <laughs> podcast for, Matt, hearing about <laughs> our wireless charging stations stations that we're very nerdily excited about. I was going to say, don't pretend you're not excited about it too. <laughs> we were delighted to find those. Uh, we're, we're pretty delighted with lots of things. The weather, Matt and I had an ice cream this afternoon. We're, we're ticking all the Australia boxes, <laughs> folks, don't you worry. Um, we went to the draw today. We will be talking about that in some detail. That is what's coming up for you over the course of this episode, plus uh, a fair few bits of news headlines as well, and updates on the tournaments that have been taking in various pla- taking place in various uh, spots in the Southern Hemisphere this week. We've got Adelaide Two happening. Adelaide One was last week. Adelaide Two is this week. The sequel. <laughs> uh, Hobart has been happening. Auckland has been trying to happen, but still um, raining. It's still raining. Uh, so updates on all of that but first just a reminder that the deadline if you want to enter the annual predictions competition or 
If you want to guest edit a podcast or become an executive producer, the deadline for all of those is Saturday at 11.59pm UK time. That is, so it'll already be tomorrow for us that time uh but wherever you are in the world greenwich mean time 11 59 p.m that is your deadline all other categories remain open throughout the year and you can become a friend at any point if you'd like to gain access to all of our bonus pods uh, and or support us gallivanting around the world talking about tennis <laughs> and charging stations <laughs> we we support you supporting us doing that we uh, we really do appreciate you so let's start with the draw where to begin where to begin i think we should begin with matt because matt has matt always has thoughts and feelings about tennis draws he races into the the room doesn't he mm. when they're doing the draw Yes, well, in fact, I burst into the room today and was greeted by someone telling me to shush because <laughs> the draw had sort of already started. <laughs> that was a bit awkward, wasn't it? Yeah. Shuffling past Todd Woodbridge yeah. on live TV. <laughs> Don't mind us. We're, we're a bit late. Um, but we, we made our way in. We took our seats. I was pleased that it wasn't a draw reveal. That's very important to me that we see... Names go in and come out, and that's all. That all adds to the excitement. So I was pleased about that because I think the Australian Open have done draw reveals in the past. This was this was better. It was a mostly draw reveal though, without the seeds though, wasn't it? Yeah, the non seeds were put in uh, sort of electronically, and then they yeah. drew the seeds. I don't mind that. That's, I that's f- I'm afraid I do. I do. I do mind that. Blooming long in a Grand Slam, David. If you. Pulling every name out of a hat. Mm. I don't, I, I, I'm old school. I think it's acceptable the way they did it. Okay. Would um, you go to it though, if that's what it was? If you knew you had to sit there in an auditorium if for? I could, if I could see it, yeah. We'll, we'll get there. We'll, we'll get onto <laughs> we'll that, get David. Um, I mean, to be honest with you, I, it's a good question because I don't think I have actually attended one that has done that mm. with 128 names Wimbledon times does two. It. Yeah, it does. I, I, I like that better than all of them. Oh, personally. That's, that is the gold standard, but this is mm. acceptable, I would say. Um, generally, I felt like it was quite a low-key draw in terms of like going into it. I wasn't, I wasn't actually spending all day thinking, oh my God, I wonder what the draw is going to be, compared to some slams recently, because I think, honestly, Alcaraz withdrawing, took the sting out of that men's draw a little bit. That's such a big name missing. And also, I remember at Wimbledon and the US Open last year, Serena was such a big factor. Where is Serena going to land? That whole story was so big. So this one was maybe a little bit more low-key, but obviously still extremely enjoyable with some fascinating lines. So that's all great. (laughs) However, (laughs) we were in the room for the draw... And I honestly think we had one of the worst possible experiences of the draw because, as David alluded to, we couldn't really see it. It felt like we were in the opticians and failing the test in front of us. We were squinting at a board trying to decipher names. Catherine at one point said, oh, um, Caroline Garcia's got someone with a long name in the first round. And then we realised it was lucky loser slash qualifier. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody, I thought somebody had drawn Diego Maradona in the first round. (laughs) 
I mean, it was, it was a D and an M. I can't, no, it was Teresa Martinsova. That's who it was. But <laughs> I mean, the, 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 the truth is, I've, we've come off basically to the other side of the world at vast cost and attended the official draw in person. It's feet away from us and we seem to be the only people watching it on the planet who actually can't see what's going on there was a great feeling of camaraderie in the room among the journalists wasn't there because a a universal chuckle went to sort of a gasp and a chuckle all at once or like a a gasp into chuckle like a sort of apology fist bump (laughs) fist bump type situation um everybody just going all right, that's it. That's not a mistake. That's that's what's happening. Can you that's, not see that? Can, you, you can't no, see that. Right, right. That's we, not me. We all can't see it. Yeah. Okay, but fine. it turns out that actually Matt's special skill... I was quite good at it, wasn't I? Is, ...was interpreting tiny blurry names on a, <laughs> on a big screen. What have you got in those glasses? <laughs> he picked out um, uh, Nadia... Uh, um, um, Podoroska? No, no. <laughs> I was going to say, I the, don't the, think the, I did. The, 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 the one that beat, no, that Serena Williams beat in... Oh, Nuria Perithas-Diaz. Her. He picked her out. Mm. It, yeah. it was impressive stuff. <laughs> um, anyway, this is all very procedural for you at home, but we, we're trying to give you a, a flavour of our experience of the draw today, which... I think, I'm sure there are people listening that think we talk about draws too much, but they really could be a, a thing. They could be a feature. And, and the fact that it was, as you said, David, presented by Todd Woodbridge, they had these lovely flashy VTs, press were invited to it. That's tennis recognising that it can be a thing, mm. that it can be a really good feature of the tournament. And yet tennis can't seem to get it right. No, uh, I, I mean, I th- like I say, I, I still like Wimbledon's m- m- most of all. Um, I do think, to be honest, they, they've they got the referees announcing all the names. I think that they, the referees struggle sometimes with the names. And I'm not surprised. It's not easy sometimes to, to, to get all of these right. But I think that they could probably get some help with that um, and just do the procedural part of things, of the, the drawing of them. Um, but, you know... It's it's not that hard, really, to, to to do these things and to to make them sort of satisfactory for everybody. And I, like I say, I just think Wimbledon has that nice traditional kind of in my childhood FA Cup style of draw the names one at a time and explain to everybody what's going on. Yeah, I mean Wimbledon's probably is the most low-key in that they just get on with it, they just draw the names. I don't think they actually show it, do they? It's just it's just available via radio, mm. which is quite hard to follow when there's drawing, you know, 128 names. You, you literally do have to sort of have a draw in front of you and be writing the names in if you want to actually follow it in real time. But I agree with you, Catherine, that they recognise that there's value there. They They sort of make it a bit of a show by getting a presenter, having nice VTs. But then the show just falls a little bit flat in the sort of production of it. It should be a big event. I get I get such a buzz out of the draw coming out, and I don't think I'm alone in that. Um, it's the tournament starting, isn't it? it? It literally lays out what's ahead of you for the next two weeks or what might be ahead of you. And 
I think it's a really exciting moment in a tournament when the draw comes out. And tennis has draws every week and still hasn't figured out the best way to present them in the most exciting manner. And I think that's just disappointing, really. Yeah, never seen one where I've gone, that's how you do it. Mm. That's a draw. Do that every week. And maybe as soon as that happens, all the other tournaments tournaments will go, oh, yeah, that's how we should be doing it. But hasn't happened yet. Anyway, on to the actual names that were in the draw. Uh, I have them in in front of me. I'm not relying on my my memory (laughs) of the tiny, blurry uh, names on a big screen. Obviously, we knew that Iga Svantec was going to be at the top of it as the top seed. Yulin Niemeyer is her first-round opponent. I think that's pretty interesting. Well, uh, we, we've seen her have results, haven't we? Have significant results at Wimbledon and make a real run there. And, and I, I think because one of our number during the Grand Slams, Hannah Wilkes, who looks after our Twitter so expertly during, during all of these four events each year, she, her eyes just light up at the thought of Yula Niemeyer, doesn't, don't they? She really rates her. She thinks she's going to be something big. And, I, and I've, I remember when she was having that run at Wimbledon, there were a number of people talking about her. And I remember Tommy Haas saying how he, he, he felt she she had something a bit... She, she would just sort of surge on the scene and take this sort of tournament by storm. She had that capability, he felt. And... Um, I don't think you want to be drawing her if you're the top seed. Well, objectively, she I think she would be seeded had she got points for her Wimbledon run, or certainly she'd be close to it. You know, she is better than her ranking. So, objectively, from that perspective, it is a hard draw. Add in the fact that she troubled her at the US Open. It's a doubly tough draw. Yeah, she was a set and a break up on Iga Svantec at the US Open. I think in the third round there... Really looked like Svantec was going out that night. Figured it out and ended up racing through the third set. But she is dangerous, Niemeyer. And that's probably the overall take from the two draws, actually, is sort of what happened to the benefit of being the number one seed. Because Hmm. both Svantec and Nadal will get on to Nadal, I'm sure. But focusing on Svantec for the moment, like they've both got tough draws, especially in the first round, but also... You know, in that sort of first week, there are dangerous names. You know, I'm looking at Bianca Andrescu as a potential third-round opponent for Svantec. And I'm always wary when we talk about Bianca Andrescu, I realise we're talking about, you know, the version of her in 2019 and the sort of potential that still exists in her. But it, it could come at any moment. I do, I do think it's possible. It's not, it's, you know, it's a dangerous, dangerous name for Svantec. Uh, Buzkova, another potential third round, also tricky, I would say. And then fourth round for Svantec, potentially Elena Rybakina or Danielle Collins, who is actually playing at the moment in Adelaide. Looks like she might be about to lose to Kudamatova, but tends to play really well in Australia. You know, finalist last year, semi-finalist a few years before that. Like, these are... These are big hitters who can knock you off the court and just make you uncomfortable. I, I still think Svantec, I'm going to end up picking her to win the tournament, probably, just because of how great she's been over the last year. But, yeah, tricky, I think, for Svantec. That's what I want to see in her section of the draw. I want to see her loaded with challenges, mm. and that's what we've got here. Yeah, it, it's a tough half 
I think, actually. Maria Sakkari is uh, the sixth seed at the at the bottom of this top half. Uh, you've got uh, Barbora Krejcikova in there. Uh, in Sakkari's quarter, that is Jill Teichman, whose first round is against Harriet Dart. Uh, Petra Kvitova is in that quarter. Jessica Bagula uh, in the second quarter. Amanda Anisimova as well. Victoria Azarenka. And then in that top quarter with uh, Sviontek, Elena Rabatkina, uh, Paula Bedosa, Elena Ostapenko, Zhang Xinwen, Coco Goff. Mm-hmm. Loaded. Loaded. Mm. Mm. I think I think Sviontek would be fairly pleased to be in Goff's quarter. Like she's absolutely dominated yeah. that matchup. But before that there are, as I said, potential problems and as you said after that, you know, Jessica Pagula beat her the other week. Such an informed player at the moment. Can can she do it again if they meet in the semi finals? It's a it's a fascinating half. I and do. um you mentioned just the sort of big names in there. I think one of the most eye-catching round one matches that came out is also in this top half, and that's uh, Sofia Kenin versus Victoria Azarenka, who I believe are the only two former champions in the draw. And they've wow. they've met each other in the first round there. And they've got some history, haven't they? Because uh, Azarenka beat Kenin love and love in, in Rome a few years ago. Oh, I forgot that. And then Kenin went on to reached the French Open final just just sort of a week later or two weeks later. So, you know, who knows what will happen in that match. Kenin seems to be coming into a bit more form. I, th- I think Pagula's going to come through that, that second quarter. That's the only prediction that I'm, I'm really mm. willing to, to put out there at this stage uh, without sort of going through it with a fine-tooth comb. But I really I just, just have a faith... In Pagula, loaded or not, I think she's coming through there. Um, in unsolicited <laughs> predictions, news. I think I agree with you as well, and I guess it would be interesting if she played Petra Kvitova, potential fourth round opponent. Kvitova, of course, beat Pagula in the United Cup. Uh, one other name in in the top half who is who doesn't catch the eye because she's she's unseeded. But uh, Emma Raducanu is in there and starts against Tamara Korpach. Another name that Matt picked out of the abyss. (laughs) (laughs) Incredible moment. (laughs) The splodges on the screen. (laughs) And it was weird how it then... Again, we're getting back into really boring material probably for everyone listening. But it then sharpened into focus for the men's draw. And we didn't have to... Mm. Pick out the names. They were they were clear. It was a very weird experience. Um, I think Cole Patch is a very good draw for Emma Kanu, but potential second round against uh, Coco Golf. Uh, and some people lis- uh, listening might have seen the footage that uh, emerged of Emma Kanu practicing a couple of days ago here in in Melbourne. Of course, she uh, she ended up retiring from her match against Victoria Kuzmova uh, last week in Auckland, having turned her ankle really gutting moment of of bad luck for Emma Raducanu and then after a practice session here this footage emerged of her with her foot her ankle heavily bandaged and she's pretty much serving on one foot and couldn't put weight on it couldn't put any weight on it was was sort of laughing at herself and her situation it was so absurd 
Um, and it, it looked from that pretty unlikely that she would even take to the court. Well, we, we went out and watched her practice for, for a few minutes today. And while we didn't see her hit any serves, it, it looked a, a, a whole world of improvement on, on what was in, in that video of a couple of days ago. She certainly looks like she's going to play. Yeah, well, she's certainly clearly at this stage got her eye on playing and and is going through a progressively more stringent training program each day to to see what her ankle can do, I think. And that included quite a lot of smashes. So running back and forth, um, backing up to hit bounce smashes, sometimes hitting them on the fall. It all looked under her control. It's just that she wasn't having to do the sort of movements that you have to do in a match and even taking away the the stress and the the, the jarring and the the explosiveness of a match situation we weren't even seeing her play points we were seeing her hit nice volleys hitting some ground strokes hitting some overheads and look she's a brilliant tennis player like so many of these players are so so it looks good to the eye and she she's super fit so she she's able to move around really well but Still, I didn't see anything there that made me think she's ready. And and I just think it's so soon. I don't think she's going to be ready to play properly. Um, I think she, she might well take to the court. She, she might be competitive in a match, but I can't see this lasting long. With, with, with the type of injury she sustained and the, the period of time she's got to properly recover. Well, if she does come through cool patch, it would likely be uh, Coco Goff in round two, uh, for which one would need both of one's ankles, I think, <laughs> in, so. in pretty good shape. Looking at the... Uh... What are we saying about tomorrow cool patch? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing at all, Matt. Uh, bottom half of the women's draw, we've got Ons Jabeur, of course, as the second seed right at the bottom. Tamara Zidanshek, her first round opponent, another name that Matt plucked from the void... <laughs> I could, my jaw dropped my best one, when he produced that. <laughs> Incredible. Uh, you got Von Drosheva in there, Kaya Kanepi lurking, Franz Jabeur, uh, Samsonova, Ludmilla Samsonova, Sloane Stevens in there, although she's on in whatever the opposite of form is, Sloane Stevens is in it. Uh, Beatrice Haddad Meyer there, who lost to uh, Paula Bedosa in a really tight match in Adelaide today. Uh, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm talking myself into more on the hoof predictions, but I, I think Jabeur will come through that section. Um, I guess there's a worry about her back, given yeah. what we saw in where was it Adelaide? Adelaide one, I think. Yeah, that's where, a good point. Um, she received some treatment. Really looked to be bothering her in that match that she lost to Noskova. Mm. But I had forgotten that actually. Um, I'm always more. I'm hopeful. I'm always more optimistic on behalf of a player who strains a back, personally. If that's what it was, if it was a back strain, than an ankle or something at the front, you know, an abdominal injury or something like that. I I feel like you can often get a, a spasm issue or something like that, and and it loosen up and you'd be okay. But there's a few players out there at the moment that have got big question marks against them just because they have probably been ultra cautious in not playing anything else this week so we're really left wondering what state they're going to be in but you can't rest her back unless you're 
you know, suspended in bed rest somehow. Do you know what I mean? You, you, are we getting into medical territory that we're not qualified probably, to? Probably, yeah. But, but don't you just sort of not play tennis for a few days and just yeah, wa- still, wander about just, the just place? Just moving, until just it... getting out of bed is engaging your back muscles. Anyway, we wish Ange well with her back <laughs> rehab and we hope for the best. Uh, Arena Sabalenka would be her quarterfinal opponent, titleist. Arena Sabalenka. She looked of good. Of course, she did look Blimey good, didn't she? She was on form and, and, and the serve and everything else functioning. Cool. Does, does that noise, David, that you just made mean... <laughs> She's in the mix. In the, in the mix, yeah. yeah. That's Do you think? code for mix. Yeah, I'd say. I think so. I think so. Um, I've always been a bit. I need to see it before I can believe it. Matt's with been very stressed about making a Sabalenka yeah, prediction. Yeah, I am. And, and honestly, the two players who oh, I'm probably really? most stressed about in this entire draw, not knowing what on earth they might do, are actually next to each other mm. in the draw. They're on they're on the same half, opposite quarters. But Caroline Garcia and Arena Sabalenka. Just given what we saw from them at the end of last season and what we have seen from them in their careers, you know, their peaks are so, so high. They, they feel like they have the potential to blast through this draw or bomb out in the first round. And I don't know which it's going to be. Stick them in the mix, Matt. Oh, they're in the and mix. You, and you're coming. And I don't have to deal with it. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. And then move on. <laughs> and um, Garcia, if she wins her opening round match, will play the winner of Elise Cornet and Leila Fernandez, which is just a great match. Would, they, w- would watch, will watch. Have they ever played before, do we know? Because I'm digging out the do footage. It, uh, <laughs> if they have. I don't recall it if they have, and I feel like I would recall it. I'm going to do um, a hasty Google. They're, they're both candidates for the intensity list, Leila Fernandez mm. and uh, Elise Cornet. I'll definitely be checking that one out. Uh, top of this uh, half of the draw, so... Top of the uh, the third quarter, Daria Kazakina. Uh, Karolina Pliskova is in there. Uh, Veronica Kudamatova, who it looks like is about to win, uh, has just won 6-1 in the third over Danielle Collins in Adelaide. I'd say this is probably the softest quarter. I'd say this is, and this is definitely putting the curse on her, but a big opportunity for Caroline Garcia. Yeah. Agreed. I mean, Kasatkina's playing well, isn't she? She's into the semi-finals in in Adelaide, but Garcia's got the bigger game, and if Garcia's on form, I think she she should be coming through this uh, this quarter of the draw. I agree. This is this is probably the most open section in there. It's funny though with Garcia because it's almost like how relevant is the draw? It's more relevant, you know, does she find her best? Because mm. I think her best can be anyone. If yeah, she finds it, yeah. the yeah. draw becomes not irrelevant, but less relevant. Um, I mean, it's it's she, so much about her. If she ends up playing the winner of Fernandez and Cornet, she's going to need to be on her game. Mm. If she is, I still think she wins. By the way, um, they have played each other once before in singles in Indian Wells in 21. And it was 6-2, for Leila Fernandez. And a year later... They played doubles together uh, at Indian Wells, and they reached the semis. Was that the match? That would have been at the October Indian Wells, wasn't it? When Fernandez, Fernandez had a couple of wins that really it sort was, of yeah. picked up where mm. she left off at the U.S. Open. She really best show in tennis. Best Pam show Shriver in said, tennis. Didn't she? Yeah, she was for a while. 
I hope she can find it again. Best show in tennis against Drama Queen for the People. Yeah. There's your tagline. Make a T-shirt with that (laughs) on it now, someone. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Moving on to the men's draw where Rafael Nadal is the top seed And as you've hinted at, Matt, I don't think we'll be too chuffed with his draw. He faces Britain's Jack Draper, round one. Jack Draper, who's through to the Adelaide semi-finals, beat Karen Hashanov today, beat Tommy Paul yesterday, uh, has the possibility of winning a first-ever title this week in Adelaide 2. I hope the the trophy doesn't say Adelaide 2 on it. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine if that's your first title. Congratulations, Jack. You've won Adelaide And you have to explain <laughs> to people for the rest of your life when you're showing them around your trophy cabinet. Yeah, there was an identical tournament the week before called mm. Adelaide 1. Mm. Who won that? I, I lost in that one. <laughs> <laughs> to the same bloke I beat today. Yeah. And they're like, oh, it was in the pandemic year. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> they just they just carried on with it anyway. <laughs> they, they run out of imagination. <laughs> Very clever um, names. So, Rafael Nadal, I get, will, will Nadal be hoping that Jack Draper carries on his streak, clinches the Adelaide 2 title in, and is it, totally spent physically and emotionally by the time he has to, to face, face him in Melbourne? Or does he hope that Jack Draper's spell is broken? Mm. Um, because he he is on a hot streak and, right and he, now, and he just he he passes the eye test as a tennis player. Aside from his record, which is impressive, he's got wins over Stefanos Tsitsipas. He's he's beaten good players. He beat Taylor Fritz. Um, 
but the way he does it, the way he is able to hang in rallies and be robust and be consistent, but also have point-ending power when he needs it. And, and, you, and I suspect that that is going to occur more often as he just keeps on progressing and getting bigger and stronger. I mean, he's such a big guy already, Draper. I mean, if, you, if you're not from Britain, you haven't heard too much about him. I mean, when you take a look at him, I, I always think he looks like a very young Andy Roddick um, and he, he goes after you. And yeah, Nadal will, will know what's coming for him. Um, I still think Nadal will be able to use the circumstances, the best of five sets, as long as he's fully fit, he will probably feel that he can just outlast anything that Draper can throw at him. Um, but it's a really interesting match. It's a, it's, it's, it's a draw that, for me, uh, I, I was excited by. Uh, not everybody wants to see those sort of players up against each other first round because you're going to lose an interesting story for, for sure there. But I want to see them go toe-to-toe. Yeah, it was the talk of the press room really after the draw wasn't it everyone was kind of wondering that same thing you know is it is it better for Nadal if Draper keeps winning or 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 if he does lose I agreed with Simon Briggs who said that he's he's seen it before that a player gets really locked in in on in a tournament the week before a slam and wins it he was he was pointing out Dan Evans a couple of years ago won his first title the week before the Australian Open and then had a bit of a come down at the start of the Australian Open because it was such a big deal to win your first title. And it will be if, if Draper can manage to win it that inevitably, I think after that, it's very difficult to sort of sustain that emotional high going into a match against Nadal. And so I, I tend to think that Nadal will win this regardless of what Draper does in Adelaide. But it's, it's uncomfortable for Nadal. You know, we've just... We've talked about how he wanted an easy draw to build himself in, and this isn't that at all. He's going he's gonna to have to play pretty well from match one here. And just looking at his record recently, I mean, let's remember, Nadal has lost six of his last seven matches, and the one he won was against Kaspar Ruud, who had already qualified for the semifinals in Turin, has a sort of Nadal inferiority complex thing going on anyway. I'm not sure he sort of even really wanted to win that match, Gasparud. It's, it's a weird dynamic. So he's, he's kind of on a six-match losing streak, Nadal, in sort of matches that really count and really matter, uh, albeit um, against very good players, but Draper's a very well, good player. last night he got beaten by a paddling pool. <laughs> <laughs> Explain. <laughs> to be fair, he wasn't the only one. No, last night was the uh, the Play for Peace event staged by Tennis Australia uh, in the Rod Laver Arena, raising uh, money for um, aid relief in Ukraine. Fantastic event, uh, attended and supported by many of the top players, including Rafael Nadal. Andy Murray was also there, Francis Tiafo, Coco Goff, Maria Sakkari, a number of Ukrainian players, Marta Kostyuk, Dernis Stremska, um, Alexei Krotik, who last night I literally couldn't pick out of a lineup because he was on our screens and we were all saying, who on earth is that bloke? Uh, and today I was commentating on him in the final round of qualies. He beat Dennis Kudler to qualify for a, a Grand Slam main, main draw for the very first time. Um, it, 
it is a great event and it's it's brilliant that they did it and um actually my favorite part of it when they sort of play a doubles match where they're all mic'd up and they're just sort of play playing hit and giggle i'm not really in into that um i sort of think it's not really one thing nor the other uh but they they had a little game where they put paddling pools on the baseline on one end of the court two paddling pools in the corner um like like targets you know like you see in when the players practice in during drills uh in, in their practice sessions and uh we all looked at one another and said well this this is made for nadal you know he could he could hit a small thing from a very long distance couldn't think of an analogy um and up he steps shanks the first one <laughs> doesn't even make the court I mean, he literally couldn't hit a tennis ball into a paddling pool. That is, that's and not that's not the punchline to a joke. He, he had about he, ten he goes. Physically couldn't. I'm more than ten. <laughs> it was quite alarming for a while, and and then, <laughs> and then they start playing the little hit and giggles doubles match, and again, Nadal's shanking all over the place, and then he just sort of goes and sits down. <laughs> says, he subbed said, himself he out. Subbed himself <laughs> out like, for a while. Go and have a little sit down, Rafa, because you're not. It's not happening for you, is it? <laughs> Um, and to be fair, when he when he came back on, he looked better. And obviously, I know you can't read anything into a charity hit and giggle, but but you we know, are. If, if he, <laughs> but if he crashes out to Jack Draper in straight sets, I will be bringing up the paddling pool thing. Well, I reserve the right to bring up the paddling I mean, pool thing again. Here's a question for you: Do you read anything into if you watch a warm up on court, the knock up? And you see a player shanking or hitting a topspin forehand that lands in the bottom of the net or something like that. Do you ever think, oh, that's a bit alarming. If it's clearly a sign nerves. of nerves, yeah, I agree. You'll, you'll assume that they'll, well, for, they'll for example, play through that. For example, Alexei Krotik today in the final round of, of qualifying in the, in the warm-up and in the early games of the match, he was... Rubbish, completely different player to what, what we ended up seeing in sets two and three. I was thinking he, he couldn't middle the ball at all. They weren't quite shanks, but the ball just didn't sound right off the racket. You could tell it wasn't coming out of the middle. Um, and he was, you know, he was biggest match of his life, biggest day of his whole life. You know, he, by qualifying today, he earned more than his total career prize money to date. Wow. So no wonder. But yes, in, in that sort of instance, I think you can read into it. But I don't think you can read form mm. um, from that kind of thing. But again, brackets reserve the right to raise the paddling pool thing. <laughs> and we also know that form, as Matt's just detailed, is not good in terms of his recent record. Yeah. Mm. Nor was it last year. I mean, I know he had won Melbourne won or two was it <laughs> who could say <laughs> maybe Nadal's trophy says Melbourne one or Melbourne two he'd won one of them but then before that it was on crutches and you know there are caveats to his yes. form at the end of last year weren't there he never plays well indoors I'm fairly I sure it's... I did promise I would not have this type of conversation about Nadal again so yeah difficult. <laughs> every so every difficult. slam I say I won't doubt Nadal again and yet sort of here we are but I mean the thing is it's not just Draper 
that mm. makes his draw tough. You know, I think if he comes through Draper, he'll probably be playing quite well. But Francis Tiafo is a potential fourth round opponent who, of course, beat him at the US Open. And then Daniil Medvedev is a potential quarter finalist. And, you know, okay, Nadal won last year's final, but. It was kind of a miracle that he did. You know, Medvedev was really on top of him for half of that match. Um, it's tricky for Nadal. I really do think that it is. Even even potentially Brandon Nakashima in the second round. You know, he's he's got a great backhand, Nakashima. And Nadal likes hitting his lefty forehand into players' backhands. And I think Nakashima will be okay with that. So that sort of matchup I find quite interesting as well. So, yeah, just... Just tricky for Nadal, but fascinating to see how he how he tries to navigate it. The uh, the second quarter, so a a potential semi final opponent for for Nadal or or Medvedev, who were the top seeds in that first quarter. You got Stefanos Tsitsipas there. He faces Konstant Alice in the opening round. Who's I mean, look, Tsitsipas is the favourite, but Elise is, after being a sort of hotly tipped junior, is finally starting to put a few results together, isn't he, the Frenchman? Well, he pushed Djokovic, didn't he, uh, last week? Mm. A couple of tie-break sets, and he really was, he was hurt, good. hurting Djokovic. Yeah. He was 5-2 up in the first set, probably should have probably should have won it, and um, I think got to the quarters in Auckland this week. So, yeah, he's he's playing quite well. That's that's a little bit tricky for Tsitsipas. Lorenzo Musetti is in this quarter, as is Yannick Sinner. They would uh, potentially face off in the third round, which I think could be very interested. It's interesting indeed. Cameron Norrie is in there. That is TBC, though, because he might be stuck in, stuck in Auckland for the rest of his life. <laughs> Where are they up Genuinely to not sure if they'll ever finish that tournament. Well, he's into the semi-finals to, to face uh, Jensen Brooksby. At the time of recording... The two other semi-finalists are not known, um, and that this is half past nine on on Thursday, and they're supposed to be playing tomorrow. Uh, Gasquet and Goffin are just in a rain delay at the moment, <laughs> and then uh, I think Laszlo Gera is is in the other quarterfinal. I can't remember who he's playing. He beat Casper Ruud, so a, yeah, a lot long way ma- to go. In a lot of matches have been moved indoors, but yeah. they're, they're trying to play as much of it outdoors as they can because obviously. With all due respect to the tournament, a lot of people are playing that to to get practice for for the Australian Open and play themselves into form. And indoor form is is pretty different. Um, so I feel for them over in Auckland. But uh, <laughs> poor old Cameron Norrie and Felix Auger Seam uh, down at the bottom of that second quarter. Vashek Pospisil, countryman for him in the opening round, a potential second round with Stan Rinka. Anyone want to throw out some predictions into the ether? See anything unexpected happening? Or do we think the uh, the usual suspects, the likely candidates, are coming through? I, I do think Ojeda Singh could be threatened in that section. I, I think he's he's vulnerable against whether it's Norrie or Chorich. Personally, I mm. think that that's a tough section to be in. Not, not to say he can't he can't come through it. I mean. I, I don't know. I, I kind of think Norrie might be a marginal favourite to come through that that section of the draw and end up facing um, Sitsipas. That that's how I feel about it. What do you think? I think Felix needs some Auckland rain, doesn't he? That would that would change the picture. Um, 
think I'll probably end up going with Auger Aliassime. Uh, but I don't disagree with, with your analysis, David. I think that's, that is a tricky, tricky section for him. I just sort of, come on, now, now's the time, Felix, to get through a really tough section like this and go really deep in a slam. We'll, we'll find out a lot about him. I think I so. I think um, over the course of the next few days, maybe a couple of weeks, we'll see. Um, yeah, very interesting one to watch, Felix Auger-Aliassime. Looking at the bottom half of the draw, Andre Rublev is at the top of it. He's drawn Dominic Team in the opening round. I wanted a good draw for Dominic Team. I want something to happen. I know Rublev lost yesterday in Adelaide to, to the Nazi Kokonakis. On paper, not not a great result, although Kokinakis does seem to be an Adelaide specialist defending champion, of course. He's, I think, won again tonight, reached the uh, the semi-finals again. Still, though, that's a rubbish draw for Dominic Team. I, I think the the bigger point, really, is Team. It's a, it's a, a bit like you were saying about Garcia. If Dominic Team was Dominic Team that we remember... He would handle Andre mm-hmm. Rublev no matter what Rublev did. But the guy isn't the same player anymore, I'm afraid. And, and we've, we've seen flickers of him reminding us of how good he used to be. But that's all we've seen, re- really. A, f- a run to a semi-final, I think it was. We've seen some, some matches where, where he's hit the signature backhand and you, just, you still drool and purr over, over watching it. But... He doesn't walk around with authority anymore. He doesn't walk around making you believe that he's got it all under control. My rational brain does accept that you're right, David, but I actually, I'm just not, I'm not ready. I'm not ready yet. I'm going to stay in denial. But nobody seems while. to be able to put their finger on what's no. the problem. That's what I can't understand is, is he, he, it appears the wrist is recovered. He's supposedly in a good frame of mind now. So why on earth is he not playing very well? Nobody understands. I mean, I suppose we don't have we don't have a huge amount of data for this year. I mean, he lost in qualifying in in Adelaide, didn't he, to Sunwu Kwan, and it was you know a little bit ugly. It wasn't great, but as you hinted at, he he was playing well at the end of last year. He really was. It wasn't, I would say it was more than just flashes. I felt like it was actually really building up to getting somewhere close to where he was before. I watched him play Tommy Paul in Vienna, I think it was. Mm. Yeah, that's the tournament I remember. Some of it was, you know, vintage team. It was great. The the signs were good. I, I thought he could build this year and maybe be close to where he was by the clay court season, which probably does still feel like his his best surface, even though he's a US Open champion. Um, but it doesn't feel like he's carried that momentum into this year. Maybe just that performance in Adelaide feels like a little bit of a step back. And as you said, it is just it is just hard to put your finger on it. But I think he's one of those players where he needs to be all in or he's not effective. You know, he, the way he throws himself into his forehands and backhands he has to be fully committed and confident I think and if if that's missing a bit it feels like his whole game doesn't doesn't quite work doesn't quite fit Mm. um so yeah but I'll be watching that match because I'll be hoping for the Dominic team of old to to make an appearance that's for sure 
Stop making me sad, everyone. <laughs> I'm going to stay in denial about uh, about Dominic Team for a little while longer. Andre Rublev, though, of course, is the projected quarterfinal opponent for Novak Djokovic, who is in this section as well. Whether that quarterfinal will actually happen, though, uh, is a little bit of a question mark because also in this quarter are Holger Rune and Nick Kyrgios. Who, hmm. P.S., I would like to see play one another. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when, when could that happen? Is that third, third round? round? I think that would be third Kyrgios round. Kyrgios Runa, yeah. third round. Mm. Could you just imagine that? I, d- I don't know what to ask you about Nick Kyrgios, and I don't know what to say because we literally haven't seen him this season. No. He's, I mean, he's supposed to be playing this exhibition <laughs> match tomorrow night, f- isn't he? For ages. I've no idea what kind of shape he's in. I, I've no idea whether that's relevant or not. Well, and uh, as you pointed out the other day, Catherine... It is perhaps a little bit of a myth that Nick Kyrgios can just rock up and play sort of lights out tennis straight away. You know, like he had matches before Wimbledon on the grass last year and he didn't have a lot of matches before the Australian Open last year. And he was a damn sight better at Wimbledon than he was at the Australian Open. Like I do think as talented as he is and it, you know, he probably can pick up a decent level without playing much you know there is some truth to it but this idea that he can just be at his best after not having competed for so long I don't know if I agree with that I'm not sure there's enough evidence saying that that is the case so I completely agree he's probably got enough to beat who's he got in the first round Roman Sefulin who I believe was um, a very good junior and did quite well in the ATP Cup mm. for for Russia last year. Um, but, yeah, if he played Holger Runo in the third round, would he necessarily have enough to beat him? I don't know. It's, as you said, who knows what to expect. And Holger Runo has played one, lost one. Yeah. For the, <laughs> for the season. Uh, so, goodness knows what to make of him. Uh, Novak Djokovic, I mean, we know exactly what to make of him, particularly here in Australia. Up until a few hours ago, I was I was thinking I'd take Djokovic over the field at this tournament. That is that is how confident I am in Novak Djokovic. But that leg injury that was plaguing him a little bit at Adelaide one that Daniil Medvedev mocked a little bit in the semi final. I mean, look, I say plaguing him. He still went on to win the title, obviously, but. You know, there were signs of it. We are just hearing whispers and it could mean absolutely nothing, but we are hearing the odd whisper that this leg injury is not nothing. Mm. Well, I mean, he's supposed to be playing Nick Kyrgios in this practice match for live television in front of an absolutely packed crowd at um, at the Australian Open tomorrow, uh, as we record here on Thursday night local time, that's supposed to happen on Friday night. Um, now, let's see. Let's see if if that match happens or not. Because if Djokovic is hyper sensitive and careful about his body, he will not take chances at this point in the tournament, and neither should he. He he knows that if he can come into this tournament as close to a hundred percent fit as possible, he's likely to win it even if he hasn't had any extra little bits of matches or, or a moment in front of the crowd and whatever. I mean, I know that there might be a, uh, a psychological 
obstacle for him to still deal with uh, with playing his first Australian Open match after deportation last year although I, I do suspect Adelaide probably helped uh, bridge that for him um, the way that went but he's gonna he he manages these situations so incredibly well that I just don't think he will take a chance tomorrow unless he feels okay um now he might decide to just go out with Nick Kyrgios and have a hit and giggle or, or I don't know if if he's not uh, not feeling absolutely bang on it but um yeah he's um he's the most finely tuned race car of a, a tennis player that probably we've we've ever had in terms of how careful he is and how how extremely he feels any discomfort or pain and therefore does something about it i.e. stops playing or has a sit down as it looked at all those sort of things but that's kind of one of his the weapons in his armory he 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 makes sure he's physically ready and, and he times going full out for the most important moments particularly now being the age he is he, he doesn't go a hundred percent all the time because i don't think he probably can and for that reason I think it's a very good draw for him because I don't draw. I don't see anybody in the early stages that can trouble him. Best draw he's had in years, I reckon this. David was I think I think playing devil's advocate earlier when he suggested that Grigor Dimitrov in the third round could be uh mm. could be tricky. Never know with Grigor. <laughs> but yeah, I agree this is a great draw for Djokovic in the first week and given the concern over the leg the first week feels feels crucial. If he's if he's fine getting through those matches, you then also back him in the big matches as well, mm. don't you? So I think I maybe do still take Djokovic over the field, even even with those concerns. I've decided to toss out another unsolicited prediction, and that is that Taylor Fritz is going to come through the bottom quarter Nicholas Basilashvili for him in the opening round uh, Mimir Ketsmanovic will be his third round opponent uh, Zverev's in there Matteo Berrettini is in his quarter Kasper Ruud in his quarter as well I've got him coming through that quarter I think again like with Pagula I just feel confident in him now mm. he, he I don't think he's going to let me down. Last year, I went on him a bit early. I did think he'd come through that that sit to pass match, and he was close, but but no cigar. I th- I think Taylor Fritz today would win that match. Yes, I think I agree. But also, he's got a bit of a point to prove. You know, he lost in the first round of the U.S. Open, mm. and people were talking him up then as well. And I think even since then, he's made some. Progress, you know, he's really impressive to get to the ATP Finals. He performed well there. He started the year really well. The conditions are good for him here. I think I agree with you. Um, obviously, Berrettini's been pretty reliable in in slams in terms of getting to his seeding and better, and only losing to really good players. Casper Ruud has been extremely good in slams, but it sort of feels like Fritz is has got the form on his side and you know to quote to quote Andy Roddick form is so so important um so yeah I I think I like Fritz down there as well Matteo Berrettini features in uh, probably the the last match that we should 
pick out from the opening rounders in the draw, and that is because he has drawn Andy Murray in the opening round. A replay, of course, of their third round match at the US Open last year. I, 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 my kingdom for a, a a a video of Andy Murray's reaction. I would suggest to that it draw. was something along the lines of "off." Mm. Yeah, he's he's made it very clear that he wants some good draws. <laughs> he's put that thought out into the universe, and tennis is and not the repaying is, him. Is laughed in his laughed face. in his face. Have Matteo Berrettini <sighs> in round one. It's, t- yeah. it's tough, isn't it? Matteo Berrettini rarely doesn't show up. I know there was that Casper Ruud performance at the U.S. Open last year, but. He doesn't lose early. It needs Murray to burst out of the blocks. And too often he's fought a valiant, courageous mm. rearguard action to yeah. make it close or relatively respectable when the match is already more or less lost. That's what happened against Berrettini at the US Open. I think he lost the first two sets by a single break and then he started to come back into it. But it's just so difficult to do it if you get down. He needs to put his foot on it from ball one. Casper Ruud incidentally, second seed at the bottom of the draw, he's got Thomas Mahatch in the opening round and we just happened to walk past Thomas Mahatch during his practice session earlier. We were leaving the Emirati Kanu practice session, we were we were headed out the exit actually but we had to walk literally just about six feet away from Thomas Mahatch in order to do so. And he was embroiled in this baseline cross-court drill. And he was making us gasp with his, with his weight of shot and precision and flat hitting. And it, it was astonishing. And his partner, whoever that was. Whoever that was. And it just makes you realise how bloody good all of these tennis players are when you stand that close to them. And David and Matt played tennis this morning and they, they came back. I saw them at breakfast. They... They were feeling pretty darn tooting good about their tennis yeah. until they saw Thomas Match up close today. I had a bit of a strut in my step and it this just, morning. Just and then, it's a different sport, isn't I, it? I walked away sheepishly from that practice court that I watched those two on. I mean, in all, though, to be honest, I was shuddering at the power that they were hitting the ball at each other and just didn't matter how hard it came at them, they tried to hit it back even and harder. I, I know, you know, we... We joke about, oh, you know, they're rubbish. They, you know, they don't stand a chance against so and so. These are all such bloody good tennis players. Oh yeah, they're just yeah, outrageously good. And and you're right. It is important if you can. I think sometimes to just watch up close. You know, even if it is only practice, because you do. You do get a greater appreciation, I think, for just how good they are up close. I mean, it, this rally got a small round of applause, didn't it, from the people watching? I mean, it was it wasn't just us who was sort of in awe at this. Uh, and yeah, the, and the players were a little bit like, "Well, what's the big deal? That, yeah. that's what yeah. we do. That's just what is... we do." Yeah. Just for the record, David was awesome this morning <laughs> at tennis. <laughs> there were no points on the line. I yeah, just... We were just rallying, but. My God, David just started middling the ball and hitting winners on the run and <laughs> slices, you know, Ed Bergian. You say run. I mean, it was a more of a gentle lollop. But, uh... Honestly, he's playing it down. 
I have to come and see it with my own eyes. I can never, I can never produce it in front of Catherine. Well, if a tree falls in the forest and there's no one there to see, <laughs> I was there. It, does it make a sound? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's 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 doubles and it's points tomorrow. So, oh no, could be. Could be yeah. a different scenario. Matt's become a tournament director <laughs> upon arrival in got Melbourne. Got a, a little tennis court in our complex here, where the uh, where the apartment is, and yeah, Matt's just started organising tournaments. Mm. <laughs> we'll update you on results on our next pod, which should be coming to you over the weekend before the start of dailies from Monday at the Australian Open. A couple of other bits of news for you. One very happy bit of news on two fronts here. Naomi Osaka is announced on social media, that she is pregnant. She says, the past few years have been interesting, to say the least, but I find that it is the most challenging times in life that may be the most fun. These two months away from the sport have really given me a new love and appreciation for the game I've dedicated my life to. I realise that life is so short and don't, I don't take any moments for granted. Every day is a new blessing and adventure. I know I have so much to look forward to in the future. One thing... I'm looking forward to is for my kid to watch one of my matches and tell someone that's my mum. Ha ha. 2023 will be a year that'll be full of lessons for me. And I hope I'll see you guys at the start of the next one because I'll be at Oz 2024. Now, obviously, it's lovely news that she's uh, expecting a baby and is clearly so happy about it. It's also lovely news, obviously, <laughs> I'm coming at this from a tennis perspective. It's lovely news that she's missing the Australian Open for a happy reason. And that she's missing the sport. And you that know, she's in her, missing in the sport. Mind. And that she intends to be back. Yeah, expressing her love for it and how much she, she's realised it means to her is for people like us, and I'm sure for you listening, because you're listening to a tennis podcast, it's lovely to hear somebody that good, that young, who still has so much to offer if she's in love with the sport and she wants to do it to hear a talk like that it's it's um really uplifting for me and she did you know we don't want to psychoanalyze it all too much because we're not qualified to but she's talked a lot about the emotional struggle of feeling like she's defined by tennis and defined by winning and losing and well she's the one that's articulated that a lot i think many many players struggle from that feeling so Having something else so significant in her life, I think, could could very well help with those struggles. So good luck to Naomi Osaka on that journey. And goodness me, we hope to see you back in the sport very soon. Mm. Yeah, the sport will be waiting for Naomi Osaka when, uh, when she's back. Here, here. Uh, I've run you through, I think, what's happening at the other tournaments. David, though, will want me to mention the fact that in Hobart at the WTA 250, he inexplicably picked Sophia Kennan to win the tournament. <laughs> and she is into the semi-finals. I'd say explicably. Um, and actually, if I look around the room, we're, we're all, we've all got reason to feel fairly good about ourselves just at the moment, predictions-wise, from the newsletter the other day. Yes, I I got lured in. I did my annual thing of going to Australia, watching one Paula Bedossa performance and deciding she goes, she's going to win everything. Mm. I've marked you down just for Bedossa <laughs> weekly until about March. Yeah. <laughs> she was blooming good and she beat Beatrice at Admire today. And she's into the semi-finals where she'll play Daria Kasich. 
Keener and it'll be Kudamitova against either Belinda Bencic or Caroline Garcia. They are, I think, just taking to the court in Adelaide. Uh, and in Auckland, Casper <laughs> Reed, as we said, lost 7-6 in the third to Laszlo Gera. Norrie will face Jensen Brooksby in the semi-finals. I have a big introduction to make, folks. Oh, yeah. I'd like to introduce you to Cordelia. Oh. Cordelia is our Australian Open mascot. Oh, I haven't seen Cordelia. She's a seven-year-old, long-haired, tortoiseshell cat owned by Rachel Shockit, which is a brilliant name. And Rachel has helpfully given us a guide as to how to pronounce her name, which is ever so brilliant. Uh, And both Rachel and Cordelia live in Idaho, and she's just lovely. She's just absolutely lovely. Um, my brother used to have a long-haired tortoiseshell cat called Polly, and she was lovely too. Uh, and Cordelia, I don't know if this is who she's named after, but Cordelia is a character from, from a much-loved character from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Our Buffy correspondent there. <laughs> mm. That's the... That's that's the second podcast this year you've weaved <laughs> Buffy the Vampire Slayer yeah. into, I think. Yeah, any uh, opportunity. <laughs> um, uh, let us know, Rachel. Well, there is uh, an excellent uh, bit of background to oh. Cordelia to come in the newsletter. There's a newsletter tease for you. Good lad, Matt. Um, and Cordelia's connection to tennis is explained in, in the newsletter. It, it's a very good one. And there'll be a picture of her as well. She is majestic. So welcome, Cordelia. Uh, Welcome to the mascot fold, because we have our own mascots. I've got Xenia. Hey. David's got Darwin. Oh, no, sorry. Matt's got Darwin. (laughs) Yeah. I've got Maisie. I don't care. Come on, Maisie. Uh, We have our executive producers and top folks, Jamie, Hannah and Drew. Hello to the three of you. And thank you for being our executive producers. We have Billie Jean King and Alana Kloss, who sponsor Billie Jean, who's gallivanting around South London as we speak. And we have shout-outs, Matt. We have Jen Moore, who is in New York. Oh, like Jen, Jenny, Jennifer Brady. <laughs> and Capriati. All right, Jen. And uh, Jen has said that uh, her dog, Max, is a big fan of Billie Jean and hopes to meet her someday. Billie Jean, I think both human and dog, but um, Jen says that she she would sign up for some dog sitting while Catherine's working. Oh, hello, Jen. I mean, shoot your shot. (laughs) (laughs) We like Jen. Thank you. We've also got Randy Curtis, who is in Illinois. Right, Randy. Hello, Randy. And Randy says that his daughter, Alex, lives in Queens and is, is an even bigger fan of the podcast. So could we give her a shout out too, as well as her, as well as her cats, Mish and Bo. Oh. Right, right Mish and Bo. Is that B-E-A-U, Bo? Yes. Great. Fantastic. Right, Alex. Uh, hello, Alex and Randy. Randy's a name that just doesn't exist in England. I find it very exotic. <laughs> Quite right. <laughs> Thank you to all of you. Like Big Randy from No Laying Up, who's also a friend of the pod. 
Yes, he, I believe he introduced our thousandth episode, didn't Did he? Yeah, last of course, year, yeah. During Wimbledon, no laying we up love a golf Randy. podcast, by the way, folks. If you ever fancy a listen to that, it's good. We've got Lara Burgess, who's in London. Right, Lara. Hello, Lara. I don't want to say Lara Croft too, Mody, because I'm sure she gets it all the blooming time. Uh, is is Lara Aruabenea a player? Nope. Lara Aruab. This is going well. Aruabenea. 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 There we go. I was close, kind of. Mm. Yes. <laughs> right, Laura. <laughs> Hello, Laura. Thank you. We've got Seth Warsing in Toronto. Seth. Hello, Seth. Uh, also, oh no, I was going to say also a character from Buffy, but it's a an actor that plays a character from Buffy. Right. Mm. Uh, we definitely don't have any tennis players called Seth in my nineties onwards think knowledge. We do, no. I think you know, Seth. You are an original. In the I don't think of it is a very athletic world. name. Well, <laughs> what are you saying about Seth? <laughs> There's nothing wrong with not being athletic. But do you know what I mean? But name me a- an athlete, any athlete called Seth. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> right then, case closed. Thank you, Seth. That was not a slight at all. Oh dear, I've got to do the final shout out now. <laughs> and it's for Karen Ray in Michigan. Hi, Karen. Hello, Karen. Like Hatchinoff. <laughs> <laughs> S- same spelling. <laughs> I just I mean, knew you were going to go there. That was oh, the I, I, actually, <laughs> I, I genuinely hadn't thought it. I thought, oh, that's very good. <laughs> I don't know any... Karen Pickering, the um, British swimmer. swimmer. But I don't know any female Karen tennis players at all. I can't think of any. No, nor do I. I'm, I think you've done well there, David. Thank you. Thank you. Karen will be delighted. Um... <laughs> Possibly more delighted than Seth. Uh, thank you, Karen. <laughs> thank you, Karen. Thank, thank you to uh, all of our friends. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We will be back on Saturday after media day uh, when we'll have spoken to all the players, put them on the spot, asked them questions, um, made sweeping predictions on the basis of <laughs> Not you know, of paddling pools what they look yeah. like and how they smell uh, <laughs> and we'll be back to tell you about all of it on Saturday so we'll speak to you then and thanks for listening Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. 
Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.